Hello to you, whoever you are, wherever you are, I hope that you are well. I'm Damien Barr and I am welcoming you to another Salon Exclusive where we get to tell you about the books that we are most excited about reading. Today we've got an exclusive extract from the upcoming psychological thriller Final Cut by S.J. Watson, the multi-million best-selling writer of Before I Go to Sleep, which was also a great film with Nicole Kidman. S.J.'s latest novel brings us to Blackwood Bay. This once bustling seaside destination has been ravaged by dwindling tourism and is now a ghost town. It's the perfect place for filmmaker Alex to shoot her new documentary. But the community is deeply suspicious of Alex's intentions because this seemingly ordinary place is home to an extraordinary secret. I couldn't wait to read this and I can't wait to talk to SJ about it, but why don't I let him tell you some more first. Hello. I'm SJ Watson and I'm thrilled to be doing this reading exclusively for listeners of Damien Barr's Literary Salon for my new book, Final Cut. Final Cut is a psychological thriller. It follows the story of an award-winning documentary filmmaker, Alex, who is embarking on a new project. She wants to document daily life in a small seaside village using films shot by the people who live there. And her producer receives an unsigned postcard urging her to make the film in a place called Blackwood Bay. The town's residents send their own videos to Alex, but she becomes more interested in the mysterious disappearance of two teenage girls from the town over the past decade, and the death of a third, Daisy, who it seems took her own life by jumping from the cliffs. In writing this book, I was thinking a lot about the way people document their lives with photos and video clips, and how that isn't always the most accurate reflection of what's really going on. So I wanted to examine the darkness within and what might be hiding beneath the surface. I was also thinking a lot about homelessness and runaways and how easy it can be to start viewing these people as being nothing more than their homelessness, when of course each one has their own story and their own reality. So that found its way in as well. So here's a short reading for you. Alex has been told by one of the girls in the village that Daisy jumped from the cliffs right outside a place called Bluff House. And also that there were rumours that just before this she'd been seen visiting the strange older man who lives there, David. We join her on her way to visit Bluff House. The icy air blasts sharp as glass. The only sound is that of the waves as they pummel the rocks below, the gull's banshee shriek. It's dark, the bloody sky is jewelled with stars. It's impossible to imagine anything here but emptiness. Head down, I force myself to carry on, but it's like wading through oil. My ears burn. Behind me, Blackwood Bay appears murky. Even the ship's cosy glow is curiously subdued. Ahead of me, the ground rises towards the glowering shadow of Bluff House, beyond which there's nothing but the sea and the black, precipitous cliffs. Suddenly, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. But I take out my phone and film for a minute, recording the vast and knowable water, studded as it is with pinpricks of light from dozens of minute ships. I think of the villagers watching the clip, imagine them wondering who's taken it and why. I press the button to upload it before I can change my mind. Let them wonder. Daisy must have stood right here, nearly ten years ago, gazing out at the same black water. But what compelled her to turn round, to face the edge and walk forward? What made her want to choose oblivion? Is it possible she didn't jump at all, that instead she was pushed flung into the water like an armful of rags. 
Or perhaps there's another explanation. It was no one's fault. She was running, being chased. She might have lost her footing on the wet grass, slipped and gone over the edge. It was an accident, sort of. I try to imagine where she is now, what might be left of her after all this time. The currents here are unpredictable. They can sweep you out in an instant. Swimming from the beach is discouraged. Her jacket washed up on a beach halfway to Mulby, but no sign of her. Almost as if she were weighed down, or dead already. I position my camera on its tripod and look up at Bluff House, silhouetted against the night. It's sadder up close. Two forlorn stories with a pitched shingle roof. There's a light on in an upstairs room, but otherwise the place is in wretched, resolute darkness. Who would choose to live here, in this godforsaken place? Despite its size, it must have three or four bedrooms at least. It's hard to imagine it containing any life at all. I frame the scene, the house at one edge, and set the camera to record. The wind whispers through the long grass. Sadie, it says, Sadie. It sounds like a warning. I take a deep breath and stride purposefully into shot. I walk up to the front of the house, the side that faces the cliff. There's a gate here, a path that leads across the lawn, terracotta pots, their contents long dead, just visible in the dank moonlight. The door is closed, there's stained glass in its window, reflecting and distorting the light within, orange and green and red. Now, up close, there's the tingle of familiarity, as if I've stood in this spot before, though I have no recollection of when. What memories I have are blurred. Recording them is like standing too close to the TV. The pixels are there but not the image they form. I stare up at the windows. There's a light on deep inside and the whole place shudders. I knock on the door and the dull thud echoes through the house. There's no answer. David, I say, peering through the stained glass. Are you there? Nothing. I wait, then try again. I knock at the door so loudly this time that it judders against the frame, rattling the letterbox. Now there's a noise. It sounds odd, like it's coming from deep in the house, or beyond it somehow. A light flicks on in the hall, then through the pus-coloured pane of glass, I see a figure approach, head down, blurry and wraith-like. Only when he's right in front of me, when all that's separating us is the door itself, does he look up. His features are indistinct, distorted by the windows. He slides a bolt, and the door opens a fraction, held back by a chain. Yes? His voice is thin and reedy. Is that David? What do you want? I can't see him well. The hall light is behind him. The porch is in darkness. He's tall, though, and thin, his body angular and his movements awkward. I try to keep my voice even. Hi, I say. I hope you don't mind me interrupting you. I hold out my hand, but he makes no move to take it, and I'm relieved. I don't want him to touch me. His attention seems focused on a spot a little way beyond me. I'm Alex. I'm just... I know who you are. He leans forward. His thin face catches the moonlight. His complexion is waxy. He looks bleached, overexposed. He gives me the creeps and I fight the urge to run as hard and as fast as I can until I'm miles away. Why have you come here? To find out about Daisy, I think. About Zoe. I drop my hand and he flinches, his eyes dark with a feverish intensity, though he avoids looking at me directly. He scans my neck, my cheek, the side of my head, anywhere but my eyes. He doesn't blink. Even in the dim light, I notice a patch of stubble on his neck where the razor missed, a tiny scar above his lip. 
He seems desperate to escape, even though he's standing in his own home and I'm the one who's trespassing. I just wanted to ask you about, why have you come to Blackwood Bay? I open my mouth, but the words catch in my throat. Nothing will come. You need to get out. His voice quivers. He sounds odd, scared, drunk, perhaps. What? It's not safe for you here. You shouldn't have come. His tone is menacingly low. I lean in just a little, then my body is pulling against me. I just... I want to talk to you. Leave. You should never... Wait, I say. He's closing the door. I'm desperate. My chance to speak to him is disappearing. You knew Zoe Pearson? No, he says. No, I'd never. Not after what happened. What happened? He says nothing. Talk to me. I glance towards the edge of the cliff. Daisy jumped from here, didn't she? He shakes his head. He looks haunted. David, I say, please, will you help me? I can't, he says. I can't. Leave me alone. He lets the door go and it snaps shut. The house shivers. I peer in through the glass, but all I can see is his silhouette, the back of his head. I lean in close. I know my words won't be picked up by the camera, but I'm not sure that matters now. My focus has shifted. I need to know what happened to Daisy, my friend, and to Zoe. Tell me what happened to the girls, David. He speaks then. You should know, he says. You should know more than anyone. I don't react. I can't. What does he mean? In any case, the light goes off and the house falls silent once more. I walk away, back to the camera. It's not possible. He can't have recognised me, surely. Not in the half-light. Not if I didn't recognise him. He can't be the one person in Blackwood Bay who knows who I am. But then it comes to me. What if he's not? What if I'm kidding myself that no one knows who I am? I look back towards the house and see something there. A figure, half hidden in the dark. It's David, I think, and again I want to run. But then I realise I'm wrong. It's not David at all, but a girl. She's just standing, watching me. I take a step towards her, but my feet are suddenly heavy, mired in the sludge. I don't know what makes me, but I almost say it. Daisy? But the word catches in my throat, and when I look again, there's no one, nothing at all. The place is deserted. Ooh, I've got chills. It's possible they're multiplying. That was S.J. Watson reading exclusively for you. Final Cut is published by Doubleday and available in all good independent bookshops. And we are also very excited to have S.J. Watson joining us for a special salon on the 7th of August. I will be there talking to S.J. about his fantastic novel, Final Cut, and about the process of writing his third novel and just about his reading and writing life generally. So if you'd like to join us over a few cocktails, just head to Eventbrite or to our website and you can, you can pick up as many tickets as you like. Thanks for listening. Join us again soon.